Chapter Twenty of The Last Trail. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Vendetti, MikeVendetti.com. The Last Trail by Zane Gray. Chapter Twenty. The borderman watched Leggett and his band disappear into the thicket adjoining the grove. When the last dark, lithe form glided out of sight among the yellowing copse, Jonathan leapt from the low cliff, and had hardly reached the ground before Wetzel dashed down to the grassy turf. Again they followed the outlaw's trail, darker-faced, fiercer-visaged than ever, with cocked, tightly-gripped rifles thrust well before them, and light feet that scarcely brushed the leaves. Wetzel halted after a long tramp up and down the ridges, and surveyed with keen intent the lay of the land ahead. "'Sooner or later we'll hear from that redskin, as discovered us a ways back,' whispered he. "'I wish we might get a crack at him before he hinders us bad. I ain't seen many keener engines. It's lucky we've fixed their arrow-shooting Shawnee. We'd never have beat that combination.' and for all of that I'm worrying some about the going ahead. "'Ambush?' Jonathan asked. "'Like as not. Leggett'll send that engine back, and maybe more on him, Jack. See them little footprints? They're Helen's. Look how she's dragging along, almost tuckered out. Leggett can't travel many more miles today. He'll make a stand somewheres and lose all his redskins afore he gives up the last.' I'll never live through tonight with her and that gang. She'll be saved or dead before the stars pale in the light of the moon. I reckon we're nigh the end for some of us. It'll be moonlight in an hour after dusk, and now it's only the middle of the afternoon. We've time enough for anything. Now, Jack, Let's not tackle the trail straight. We'll split and go round and head em off. See that dead white oak standin' high over there? Jonathan looked out between the spreading branches of a beech, and saw far over a low meadow, luxuriant with grasses and rushes, and bright with sparkling ponds and streams, the dense wood out of which towered a bare, bleached treetop. You slip around along the right side of this meadow, and I'll take the left side. Go slow, and have your eyes open. We'll meet under that big dead tree. I allow we can see it from anywhere around. We'll leave the trail here, and take it up further on. Leggett's going straight for his camp. He ain't losing an inch. He wants to get in that rocky hole of his'n. Wetzel stepped off the trail, glided into the woods, and vanished. Jonathan turned to the right, traversed the summit of the ridge, softly traveled down the slope, and, after crossing a slow, eddying, quiet stream, gained the edge of the forest on that side of the swamp. A fringe of briars and prickly thorns bordered this wood, affording an excellent cover. On the right the land rose rather abruptly. He saw that by walking up a few paces he could command a view of the entire swamp, as well as the ridge beyond, which contained Wetzel, and probably the outlaw, and his band. Remembering his comrade's admonition, Jonathan curbed his unusual impatience and moved slowly. 
The wind swayed the treetops and rustled the fallen leaves. Birds sang as if thinking the warm, soft weather was summer come again. Squirrels dropped heavy nuts that cracked on the limbs, or fell with a thud to the ground, and they scampered over the dry earth, scratching up the leaves as they barked and scolded. Crows cawed clamorously after a hawk that had darted under the treetops to escape them. Deer loped swiftly up the hill, and a lordly elk rose from a wallow in a grassy swamp, crashing into the thicket. When two-thirds around his oval plain, which was a mile long, and perhaps one-fourth as wide, Jonathan ascended the hill to make a survey. The grass waved bright brown and golden in the sunshine, swished in the wind, and swept like a choppy sea to the opposite ridge. The hill was not densely wooded. In many places the red-brown foliage opened upon irregular patches, some black, as if having been burned over, others showing the yellow and purple colors of the low thickets and the gray, barren stones. Suddenly Jonathan saw something dark in one of those sunlit plots. Might have been a deer. He studied the rolling, rounded treetops, the narrow strips between the black trunks, and the open places that were clear in the sunshine. He had nearly come to believe he had seen a small animal or bird flit across the white of the sky far in the background, when he distinctly saw a dark figure stealing along past a green-gray rock, only to disappear under colored banks of foliage. Presently, lower down, they reappeared and crossed an open patch of yellow fern. Jonathan counted them. Two were rather yellow in color, the hue of buckskin, another slight of stature as compared with the first, and light gray by contrast. Then six black, slender, gliding forms crossed the space. Jonathan then lost sight of them, and did not get another glimpse. He knew them to be Leggett and his band. The slight figure was Helen. Jonathan broke into a run, completed the circle around the swamp, and slowed into a walk when approaching the big, dead tree where he was to wait for Wetzel. Several rods beyond the lowland he came to a wood of white oaks, all giants, rugged and old, with scarcely a sapling intermingled with them. Although he could not see the objective point, he knew from his accurate sense of distance that he was near it. As he entered the wood he swept its whole length and width with his eyes. He darted forward twenty paces to halt suddenly behind a tree. He knew full well that a sharply moving object was more difficult to see in the woods than one stationary. Again he ran, fleet and light, a few paces ahead to take up a position as before behind a tree. Thus he traversed the forest. On the other side he found the dead oak of which Wetzel had spoken. His trunk was hollow. Jonathan squeezed himself into the blackened space, with his head in a favorable position behind a projecting knot where he could see what might occur near at hand. He waited for what seemed to him a long while, during which he neither saw nor heard anything, and then suddenly the report of a rifle rang out. A single, piercing scream followed. Hardly had the echo ceased, when three hollow reports, distinctly different in tone from the first, could be heard from the same direction. In quick succession, short, fierce yells attended rather than succeeded the reports. 
Jonathan stepped out of the hiding-place, cocked his rifle, and fixed a sharp eye on the ridge before him whence those startling cries had come. The first rifle-shot, unlike any other in its short, spiteful, stinging quality, was unmistakingly Wetzel's. Zane had heard it, followed many times as now by the wild death-cry of a savage. The other reports were of Indian guns, and the yells were the clamoring, exultant cries of Indians in pursuit. Far down, where the open forest met the gloom of the thickets, a brown figure flashed across the yellow ground, darting among the trees, across the glades. It moved so swiftly that Jonathan knew it was Wetzel. In another instant a chorus of yelps resounded from the foliage, and three savages burst through the thicket, almost at right angles, with a fleeing borderman running to intercept him. The borderman did not swerve from his course, but came on straight toward the dead tree, with the wonderful fleetness that so often had served him well. Even in that moment Jonathan thought of what desperate chances his comrade had taken. The trick was plain. Wetzel had most likely shot the dangerous scout, and, taking to his heels, raced past the others, trusting to his speed and their poor marksmanship to escape for the whole skin. When within a hundred yards of the oak, Wetzel's strength apparently gave out. His speed deserted him. He ran awkwardly and limped. The savages burst out into full cry like a pack of hungry wolves. They had already emptied their rifles at him, and now, supposing one of the shots had taken effect, redoubled their efforts, making the forest ring with their short, savage yells. One gaunt, dark-bodied Indian, with the long, powerful, springy stride, easily distanced his companions, and evidently sure of gaining the coveted scalp of the borderman, rapidly closed the gap between them as he swung aloft his tomahawk, yelling the war-cry. The sight on Jonathan's rifle had several times covered this savage's dark face. But when he was about to press the trigger, Wetzel's fleeting form, also in line with the savage, made it extremely hazardous to take a shot. Jonathan stepped from his place of concealment, and let out a yell that pealed high over the cries of the savages. Wetzel suddenly dropped flat on the ground. With a whipping crack of Jonathan's rifle, the big Indian plunged forward on his face. The other Indians, not fifty yards away, stopped aghast at the fate of their comrade, and were about to seek the shelter of trees when, with his terrible yell, Witzel sprang up and charged upon them. He had left his rifle where he fell, but his tomahawk glittered as he ran. The lameness had been a trick, for now he covered ground with a swiftness which caused his former progress to seem slow. The Indians, matured and seasoned warriors though they were, gave but one glance at his huge brown figure bearing down upon them like a fiend, and uttering the Indian name of Deathwind, wavered, broke, and ran. One not so fleet as his companion, Wetzel overtook and cut down with a single stroke. The other gained an hundred yards straight in the slight interval of Wetzel's attack, and spurred on by a pealing, awful cry, in the rear sped swiftly in and out among the trees until he was lost to view. Wetzel scalped the two dead savages, and after returning to regain his rifle, joined Jonathan at the dead oak. "'Jack, you can never tell how things is coming out. That redskin I allowed might worry us a bit.' Fooled me as slick as you ever saw, and I had to shoot him, knowin' it was a case of runnin'. I just cut for this oak, 
drew the redskins fire and had em after me quicker'n you'd say jack robinson i was hopin you'd be here but wasn't sure till i seen your rifle then i kinder got a kink in my leg just to coax the brutes on three more quiet said jonathan zane what now we've headed leggett and we'll keep nosin him off his course already he's looking for a safe campin place for the night there is none in these woods for him we didn't plan this gettin between him and his camp but couldn't be better fixed a mile further along the ridge is a campin place with a spring and a little dell close under a big stone and well wooded leggett's headin straight for it with a couple of injuns guardin that spot he'll think he's safe but i know the place and can crawl to that rock the darkest night that ever was and never crack a stick in the gray of the deepening twilight jonathan zane sat alone an owl hooted dismally in the dark woods beyond the thicket where the borderman crouched waiting for wetzel his listening ear detected a soft rustling sound like the play of a mole under the leaves a branch trembled and swung back a soft footstep followed and wetzel came into the retreat well asked jonathan impatiently as wetzel deliberately sat down and laid his rifle across his knee easy jack easy we've an hour to wait the time i've already waited has been long for me there there said wetzel grimly how far from here a half hour's slow crawl close by hissed jonathan too near for you to get excited let's us go it's as light now as in the gray of mornin mornin would be best injuns get sleepy along towards day i've ever found that time the best but we'll be lucky if we catch these redskins asleep lou i can't wait here all night i won't leave her longer with that renegade i've got to free or kill her most likely it'll be the last said wetzel simply well so be it then and the borderman hung his head you needn't worry none about helen i just had a good look at her not half an hour back she's fagged out but full of spunk yet i seen that when brant went near her leggett got his hands full just now with the redskins he's having trouble keeping them on this slow trail i ain't saying they're scared but they're mighty restless will you take the chance now i reckon you needn't have asked that tell me the lay of the land well if we get to this rock i spoke about we'll be right over em it's ten feet high and we can jump straight amongst em most likely two or three'll be guarding openin which is a little ways to the right but there's a big tree the only one low down by the spring helen's under it half sittin half leanin against the roots when i first looked her hands were free but i saw brent bind her feet and he had to get an engine to help him for she kicked a spirited little filly there's moss under the tree and there's where the redskins will lay down to rest i've got that now out with your plan well i calculate it's this the moon will be up in about an hour 
we'll crawl as we've never crawled before because helen's life depends as much on our not making a noise as it does on fightin when the time comes if they hear us afore we're ready to shoot the lass'll be tomahawked quicker'n lightnin if they don't suspicion us when the right moment comes you shoot brant yell louder you ever did before lip amongst em and cut down the first engine that's near you on your way to helen swing her over your arm and dig into the woods well asked jonathan when wetzel finished that's all replied the borderman grimly and leave you all alone to fight leggett and the rest of em i reckon not to be thought of there's no other way well there must be let me think i can't i'm not myself no other way replied wetzel curtly jonathan's broad hand fastened on wetzel's shoulder and wheeled him around have i ever left you alone that's a different and wetzel turned away again his voice was cold and hard how is it different we've had the same thing to do almost more than once we've never had a bad bunch to handle as leggett's they're looking for us and will be hard to beat that's no reason we never had to save a girl one of us loved jonathan was silent i said this'd be my last trail continued wetzel i felt it and i know it'll be yours why if you get away with the girl she'll keep you at home and it'll be well if you don't succeed you'll die trying so it's your last trail wetzel's deep cold voice rang with truth lou i can't run away and leave you to fight these devils alone after all these years we've been together i can't no other chance to save the lass jonathan quivered with the force of his emotion his black eyes glittered his hands grasped at nothing once more he was between love and duty again he fought over the old battle but this time it left him weak you love that big-eyed lass don't you ask wetzel turning with softened face and voice i've gone mad cried jonathan tortured by the simple question of his friend those big dear wonderful eyes he loved so well looked at him now from the gloom of the thicket the old beautiful soft glow the tender light was there and more a beseeching prayer to save her jonathan bowed his head ashamed to let his friend see the tears that dimmed his eyes jack we've followed the trail for years together always you've been true and staunch this is our last but whatever binds will break up leggett's band to-night and the border'll be cleared maybe for always at least his race is run let that content you our time have to come sooner or later so why not now i know how it is that you want to stick by me but the last draws you to her i understand and want you to save her maybe you never dreamed it but i can tell you just how you feel all the trembling and softness and sweetness and delight you got for that girl is no mystery to lou wetzel you loved her last wetzel bowed his head as perhaps he had never before in all his life betty always he answered softly my sister exclaimed jonathan 
and then his hand closed hard on his comrades his mind going back to many things strange in the past but now explained wetzel had revealed his secret and it's been all my life since she wasn't higher in my knee there was a time when i might have been closer to you than i am now but i was a mad and bloody engine hater so i never let her know till i seen it was too late well well no more of me i only told it for you jonathan was silent and now to come back where we left off continued wetzel let's take a more hopeful look at this coming fight sure i said it was my last trail but maybe it's not you can never tell feelin as we do i imagine they've no odds on us never in my life did i say to you least of all to any one else what i was going to do but i'll tell it now if i land uninjured amongst that bunch i'll kill them all the giant borderman's low voice hissed and stung his eyes glittered with unearthly fire his face was cold and gray he spread out his brawny arms and clenched his huge fist making the muscles of his broad shoulders roll and bulge i hate the thought lou i hate the thought ain't there no other way no other way i'll do it lou because i'd do the same for you because i have to because i love her but god it hurts that's right answered wetzel his deep voice softening until it was singularly low and rich i'm glad you've come to it and sure it hurts i want you to feel so at leaving me to go it alone if we both get out alive i'll come many times to see you and helen if you live and i don't think of me sometimes think of the trails we've crossed together when the fall comes with its soft cool air and smoky morning and starry nights when the wind's sad among the bare branches and the leaves drop down remember they're fallen on my grave twilight darkened into gloom the red tinge in the west changed to opal light through the trees over a dark ridge a rim of silver glinted and moved the moon had risen the hour was come the bordermen tightened their belts replaced their leggings tied their hunting coats loosened their hatchets looked to the priming of their rifles and were ready wetzel walked twenty paces and turned his face was white in the moonlight his dark eyes softened into a look of love as he gripped his comrade's outstretched hand then he dropped flat on the ground carefully saw to the position of his rifle and began to creep jonathan kept close at his heels slowly but steadily they crawled minute after minute the hazelnut brushes above them had not yet shed their leaves the ground was clean and hard and the course fatefully perfect for their deadly purpose a slight rustling of their buckskin garment sounded like the rustling of leaves in a faint breeze the moon came out above the trees and still wetzel advanced softly steadily surely the owl lonely sentinel of that wood hooted dismally even his night eyes which made the darkness seem clear as day 
missed those gliding figures even he sure guardian of the wilderness failed the savages jonathan felt soft moss beneath him he was now in the woods under the trees the thicket had been passed wetzel's moccasin pressed softly against jonathan's head the first signal jonathan crawled forward and slightly raised himself he was on a rock the trees were thick and gloomy below the little hollow was almost in the wan moonbeams dark figures lay close together two savages paced noiselessly to and fro a slight form rolled in a blanket lay against a tree jonathan felt his arm gently squeezed the second signal slowly he thrust forward his rifle and raised it in unison with wetzel's slowly he rose to his feet as if the same muscle guided them both over his head a twig snapped in the darkness he had not seen a low branch the indian guard stopped suddenly and became motionless as stone they had heard but too late with the blended roar of the rifles both dropped lifeless almost under the spouting flame and white cloud of smoke jonathan leaped behind wetzel over the bank his yells were mingled with wetzel's vengeful cry like leaping shadows the bordermen were upon their foes an indian sprang up raised a weapon and fell beneath jonathan's savage blow to rise no more over his prostrate body the bordermen bounded a dark nimble form darted upon the captive he swung high a blade that shone like silver in the moonlight his shrill war-cry of death rang out with helen's scream of despair even as he swung back her head with one hand in her long hair. His arm descended, but it fell upon the borderman's body. Jonathan and the Indian rolled upon the moss. There was a terrific struggle, a whirling blade, a dull blow, which silenced the yell, and the borderman rose alone. He lifted Helen as if she were a child, leaped the brook, and plunged into the thicket. The noise of the fearful conflict he left behind swelled high and hideously on the night air. Above the shrill cries of the Indians and the furious yells of Leggett rose the mad, booming roar of Wetzel. No rifle cracked, but sodden blows, the clash of steel, the thrashing of struggling men, told of the dreadful strife. Jonathan gained the woods, sped through the moonlight glades, and far on, under light and shadow, the shrill cries ceased. Only the hoarse yells and the mad roar could be heard. Gradually these all died away, and the forest was still. End of chapter 20